Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. I'm Dana Jacoby. My new cookbook is the Power Greens Cookbook. The Power Greens Cookbook has 140 superfood recipes. What exactly is a superfood? A superfood is any food that is particularly nutrient-dense, although it's particularly come to become to mean foods that are rich in substances that may sound a bit like a chemistry lab. You know, for example, they'll talk about broccoli being rich in sulforaphane, which detoxifies the liver. Uh, what matters is that superfoods help us be healthy and vital, and they often have flavors from those substances that are good for us that can be challenging. A lot of them actually taste bitter. And what I did in the Power Greens cookbook is create recipes to help you eat superfoods every day, which you really should do, while keeping them delicious and enticing and varied enough that you're excited to eat them. So you've chosen to focus on 15 power greens. How did you choose these 15? I chose these 15 greens specifically because along with being nutrient-dense, they are also easily available and, and versatile. You know, for example, you can use kale steamed, braised. I make uh, pesto with it. You've probably heard of using kale chips, which makes it wonderfully crunchy. Um, Brussels sprouts can be an hors d'oeuvre. If you make a um, my recipe for salsa verde, the Italian sauce with capers and olive oil, makes a wonderful dip. You toss the Brussels sprouts with it, and they just stick a toothpick in and munch on them. And they are steamed. They're cooked, not raw. <laughs> Now, talk a little bit about antioxidants. Antioxidants are very important. I mean, to be a little scientific, um, the thing that can cause illness and chronic diseases is as our DNA breaks down or oxidizes. Antioxidants help to fight this. And uh, you find them in many foods, you know, strawberries, oranges, all kinds of greens. So, uh, and they are very heat sensitive. So you want to, for example, when you buy greens, keep them cold. In the summer, if I'm not going straight home with a car, I keep a cooler with ice packs in it and toss the bunches of kale and parsley and whatever into that. And lots of the recipes in Power Greens Cookbook help you eat them either raw or lightly cooked, as well as braised. And you get different benefits with the antioxidants. Depending on whether a food is raw or cooked, it's good to eat a raw spinach salad, but you utilize other things in the spinach more easily when you've steamed it. That's so interesting that that there are different Mm -hmm. antioxidants um, pertaining to how you cook it. there There are probably thousands of antioxidants. Uh, in our foods. Uh, you know, the ones that I talk about a lot are lutein and zeaxanthin, for example, uh, help your eyes and your skin. Um, and car- they're all members of a family called carotenes. Have you ever noticed that greens turn yellowish when they start to get tired? Yes. 
That's because the antioxidant chlorophyll oxidizes and disappears, but some of the other antioxidants are more stable, and many antioxidants have color. Like, are they the things that make berries red or that yellow that you see in greens when they're a little bit tired? means they still do have those antioxidants in them. Organic greens are more expensive than Mm non-organic. For home cooks Mm -hmm. on a fixed budget, do the nutritional Mm -hmm. benefits outweigh the pesticide exposure? That's a yes and no kind of question, meaning clearly eating foods like spinach are better than not eating them at all. On the other hand, I was very interested to see um, Consumer Reports puts out a health newsletter, and just in the current issue, someone asked, is locally grown or organic better? And I follow the principle of the dirty dozen. If you possibly can afford for greens like spinach that is heavily sprayed, to do organic, but then for more vigorous things or ones that are covered, like Brussels sprouts, buying organic is not that important because you peel away the outer leaves. On the other hand, it's also true that it isn't only the pesticide residue on the food itself, it's also what goes into the land and therefore into our drinking water. Uh, The other thing is, Look for specials. Shop around. People give Whole Foods a bad name for being expensive, but I have seen them put greens on sale, two bunches of kale for $4. I can't find it cheaper than that, even in inexpensive supermarkets, and they're organic. So it depends on how much of a shopper you want to be. Bottom line, eating them is better than not eating. What is the best way to wash and store our greens? That's a good question. For washing, I recommend getting a great big bowl and putting it in the sink, fill it with cold water, and you know, generous handfuls at a time. Put in your greens, especially things like spinach and beet greens that really hold sand in the little uh, crevices. Swish them around, empty the bowl, and re-rinse it. One of the reasons I say that is a bowl holds a depth of water so the sand can really sink away from the greens. And the other is, unless you want to scrub out your sink, every time you wash greens, you do other things in the kitchen sink, and this helps protect them from whatever chemicals might have been on what you were doing, or even dishwashing liquid. Uh, and then give them a good shake. If you're going to be steaming them, you don't have to worry about drying them. Yeah, or for <clears throat> soft greens like parsley and cilantro, which can be very sandy, use a salad spinner afterwards. Storing them, you know, greens are alive. They're still breathing even though they've been cut. And like, if you put them in a plastic bag, you notice how water condenses? That's because they've actually been breathing sending out gases and oxygen. So what I do is to avoid that moisture that makes them wilt, I wrap them loosely in a paper towel, and then with the leaves in and the stems pointing out, put them in a plastic bag, like recycling the ones that you get from the supermarket uh, that you buy, you, you stick your greens into, and don't close the bag tightly, just sort of loosely gathered around the stems. 
it's nice to keep them in the crisper, but it's not absolutely necessary once you've wrapped them this way. Never wash greens until you're ready to use them. I know that that bunch of sandy spinach seems like it'll make a mess, but once you wash them, they wilt much more quickly. I find that kale and collard greens take a long time to cook. Do you have any cooking time savers? Definitely, yes. Uh, one of the experimenting with this book, my concerns, first of all, are that there are kale, people who love kale and a lot of people just find it too bitter. And the same is true with a lot of the other leafy greens like mustard greens, collards, and also they can be very tough. What I figured out is a method I call short cook, quick cool. It's like chefs do when they blanch and shock. The difference is that you only put an inch or two of water in a big pot, bring it to a boil, throw in the greens, and then with a wooden spoon, mush them and smash them, you know, not bash them, just press them until they collapse into the water, cook them for about four minutes, and then with either tongs or take the pot and dump the contents into a colander and under cold running tap water with your hands stir the greens so the water gets at them in 30 seconds they stay bright green but they're cool and the reason you do this is then when you go to braise them they cook in like 15 or 20 minutes instead of the 40 to 45 minutes that it takes to braise kale normally cooked enough that you are really going to enjoy it and takes a little of the bitter edge off, but still very rich in the nutrients that you want to get. When you do the short cook quick cool, it gets rid of those dark juices and some of the oxalates, the stuff that, that, that makes your teeth feel fuzzy and that actually can block utilizing some of the good nutrients in certain greens. So those go in the water, and then you've got something that, for example, very, very simple charred dish is the charred, short-cooked that way, chopped up, brown some onions in a skillet, add the charred, and cook it until it's tender the way you like it, which may take only 10 minutes. People will rave over this dish with two ingredients. Let's talk about lettuce. I hate that I love iceberg. I read somewhere Mm -hmm. that it's the slacker of the lettuce kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) In in the Power Greens cookbook, you grill romaine. Right. Yeah, that actually is a very hot idea right now. If you look on Pinterest, I think you'll see plenty of recipes besides mine. But cooked lettuce, lightly cooked, we're talking about just seared or grilled um, it brings out a different flavor. I call it nutty. If you, try, if you try it, the original inspiration for me was a very classic French dish. In the spring, they cook fresh green peas with a few leaves of a tender lettuce like Boston, and it has this nutty flavor that's just delightful. So uh, I tried it grilled, and again, you're just searing it. The center of the head is still crunchy uh, because you do like a whole half split vertically. It's not individual leaves. Uh, What I ended up doing was trying to make a stir-fry, and I ended up with what I call French stir-fried lettuce. 
using a little soy sauce, but for the liquid, a splash of white wine. And again, it's just into the wok and out in like two minutes. And it's got that, still got the crunch, but romaine, that dark green at the top of the leaves, is full of antioxidants and things that are good for you. And we're going to eat lettuce, we're going to eat lettuce, we're going to eat salad anyway. Mm -hmm. So why not make it nutrient rich at the same time? This is so much more than a cookbook. It's also a fantastic reference guide. Your last chapter is all about how to buy, store, and prep each power green. You go into so much detail. I think everyone needs this cookbook in their kitchen. Well, thank you very much for saying that. Yeah, because, you know, they are alive, and I've noticed that a lot of people feel uncomfortable or even intimidated you know, they'll look at kale and say, but what do I do with it? Yeah. And so they steam it. Um, and you do need the full variety. It's nice to eat a lot of greens for the flavor. And also they each have different nutrients. So, but making it fun is what, and when you feel comfortable because you understand, then cooking can be a lot more fun. Last night for dinner, I made your recipe for a poached egg in a nest of bacon-wilted kale on page 193. <laughs> so tell me about this recipe. First, uh, I, you know, it's hard to have a complete favorite, but Susie, that is one of my favorite recipes. You know, an, an egg makes everything better. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, let me say quickly, for people who are vegetarian or vegan, another way to make this that's also delicious is instead of the bacon... Use coconut oil when you saute the kale after you've uh, short-cooked it, and then add the egg, and you will also get a very delicious version of this dish, but without the bacon. Although for me, and the other thing is, as I said, I believe in eating everything but in moderation. What you're doing with the bacon is rendering out the fat and using it to braise the kale. Yeah. So two slices of bacon makes enough portions of kale for, to serve four people. And then you crumble up the bacon finely and you sprinkle it, divide it up amongst the four servings after you add the egg. If you don't want to do poached eggs, this is great with fried eggs too. You can do it that way. It's, uh, you know, some people are intimidated by making poached eggs. And, and I'm so it, glad it, you like that. It took no time to make, too, because I have mm -hmm. a nine-year-old, so I had to get dinner yeah. on the table quickly. And it, it yeah. must have taken 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, one of the tricks that I recommend to help people eat more greens is, you know, like there are people who cook on Sunday and they make big dishes that they can eat several times during the week. This is true whether you're single or like you, maybe your daughter is at play camp or on a play date on Sunday and you have a few hours when you can do some cooking. You can do the blanching of the greens, like several bunches or several different kinds, and keep them in a plastic container or a glass jar. They'll keep for three, four, five days once you've done this. And then you can just take them out, make your... Um, you know, you're charred with the brown onions one day, um, make, bake a potato and mash some chopped kale into it another day, make your egg the third day using that same kale, sautéing it with the bacon, 
you know, I'm also about convenience and making it easy. Where can we find you on the web? My website is DanaJacoby.com. Dana Jacoby is also my Instagram handle. And I tweet at, it's at Dana Dish. Thanks so much, Dana, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you, Susie. You asked great questions. Thank you.